0: That I would give you silver or gold, or that you would never feel the fire or shiver in the cold. But I did say you'd never walk through this world alone. Mm -hmm. And I did say, Don't make this world your home. I said that fear wouldn't find you in the night But that loneliness was something you never have to find But I did say, I'll be right there by your side And I did say, I'll always help you find You know I've made a promise that I intend to keep My grace will be sufficient
1: in every time of
0: need My love will be the anchor that you can hold on to This is a promise, this is a promise said that friends wouldn't turn their backs on you or that the world around you wouldn't see you as a fool but I did say like me you'll surely be despised. and I did say my ways confound the wise said you wouldn't taste the bitter kiss of death or have to walk through chilly jordan to enter into rest but i did say i'll be waiting right on the other side oh yes and i did say i'll dry every tear you cry You know I've made a promise That i would prepare a place And someday sooner than you think You'll see me face to face And you'll sing with the angels And the countless multitude This is the promise
1: This is the promise
0: I've made to you Let this be your light Let hell can't separate us You're gonna make it through This is a promise This is a promise I've made to you Oh, this is a promise This is a promise
1: Thank you, Jenny, for that wonderful song. For those who do not know our guest today, that's Jessica's mother. And she has a godly mother, and she has a godly father. And that is what Adel was talking about this morning. The church is made up of many members, and we're strong because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. He's given us a promise that when we come to him and give our lives to him, he will care for us and take us all the way safely through to heaven. Shall we just rejoice in that this morning? Shall we look to the Lord in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for little Zoe. We thank you for her dedication to you this morning. We thank you for her parents, for Jeff and for Karen. We ask that you'll bless them. Be with Adel as he continues to serve you also, and Sylvia, and each one who serves in this church. We thank you for what you've done for us, and you've placed in our hands the Bible, the Word of God, And we get such comfort from it, such encouragement in it. And Lord, we just pray that you will take us safely through. Help us to be encouraged by your word today. May you speak to our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Lord, hide me behind your cross and just pray that you would be heard this morning through your word. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, if you could summarize this world that we're living in today in one word, what would it be? I think that word would be uncertainty. I mean, you get up in the morning, and you read the paper, and you listen to the news on the radio, or you see it on television, and things are happening at such a fast rate. One day, the market is up. One day, it's down. People are encouraged one day, and then discouraged catastrophe all around. I mean, you look at the stock market, you look at the housing market, you look at the automobile market, you look at the credit markets and all these things, and they're changing and they're, they're going through cataclysmic upheavals. But we can say this for sure today, that in the midst of all this uncertainty of not knowing what's going to happen next, we can be certain of one thing, God and his word. He never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. Today, yes, he's the same forever. The same God that parted the Red Sea. The same God who conquered the walls of Jericho. The same God who rose from the dead, Jesus Christ, is our God today. He's with us in these uncertain times. He knows what we're going through. And he wants every single person in this world today, regardless of race or color or origin to be safe to know him in a personal way that is God's desire it says in scripture that he desires that none should perish but that all should come to repentance so the title of our message today is certainty in the midst of uncertainty everything may change he never changes you know I like to look up in the dictionary definitions and I love to to get out the Webster's Dictionary, and I looked up the word certain, and it means this, fixed, settled, determined, sure, not to be doubted, unquestionable, positive. And when you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you're building your life on something that's sure, that's certain, that's positive. It's not going to crumble with the financial market. It's not going to crumble with one's health. It's sure, it's settled. And once a person accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're saved and saved forever. And the devil can't change that. No person can take away your salvation. You're saved through the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a song that we sometimes sing that says, God said it, and I believe it, and that settles it for me. And you know, when God makes a promise, like Ginny was singing in her song, you can count on that promise Because every promise God has made, every prophecy that is mentioned in the scripture, has been fulfilled 100% perfectly. And the ones that are still yet future will be fulfilled perfectly. Because God can never err. He can never fail. He always comes through. And we can count on Him. There's two great questions, though, we need to ask ourselves today as we sit in this audience. And the first question is this. If you were to die today, God forbid, but if you were to die today, do you know for certain, do you know for sure that you would go to heaven? That's a question that we have to grapple with. People in all different religions and ways of life are always trying to come to the grips with that question. And people are never sure. You ask them, well, do you know that you're going to heaven? They say, I'm not sure. I hope so. I think so. I'd like to, but you know from God's word, the Bible, we can know for sure. We can know for sure when we accept him that we have eternal life because we have God's word on it. And when God says it, we can believe it. And that can settle it for us. And another question that's similar to that, if you were to die today and go to heaven and you were to stand before God and he were to say, why should I let you into my heaven? How would you answer that? I've been a good person. I've done all that I could. I've given to charities. I've been philanthropic and all of these things. No, that won't get you in. The Bible says that we're saved by God's grace. It's not based on what we do. It's what Jesus has done for us on the cross. That's how we're saved. And so today we want to look at three certain facts that we can count on. Number one, the certainty of knowing the truth. Secondly, the certainty of knowing Christ personally. And third, the certainty of knowing that we have eternal life. I love that word certainty. And another word that you're going to hear in the readings that I'm going to give from the scripture this morning is the little word no. Know. K-N-O-W. I love that word. It's such a word of confidence. When you know something, you're confident in it. And God is going to tell us from His Word this morning that we can be confident, that we can know for certain. Turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. John chapter 8, 31 and 32. The certainty of knowing the truth. A lot of people don't know that they're certain to have a job. People are afraid nowadays. There's hopelessness out there. They're not certain that they're going to have a job. They're not certain they're going to keep their homes nowadays. Uncertainty. A lot of people today are not certain they're going to have their health. They're not certain they'll even be here tomorrow. And those things are troubling, but they're, and they're uncertain. But God's word is certain. Notice what the Lord Jesus Christ says. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are disciples indeed. And then notice he says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. You know, God has given us his truth. And Jesus is the truth. And he said in his word in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. A lot of people today they say, well, there's many ways to heaven. You can get there your own way. No, God says there's one way to get to heaven through my son, Jesus Christ. So many times people tell us you Christians are narrow-minded, you believe in one way. It's not us, it's what the word of God says. God has made it simple. One way, accept Jesus Christ and you go to heaven. You don't work for it, you don't earn it, you don't deserve it, but Christ offers his life In your place, when he died on the cross, he offered his life for you and for me so that we can be saved. But there's one problem. There's one thing that will keep a person from heaven, and that's sin. And people don't like to discuss the subject of sin today. Oh, don't tell me about my sins. Tell me about God's love. Tell me about all these good, positive things. I want to feel good. I want to go home feeling good. If we did that, we would be dishonest to the word of God because we all are sinners. The Scripture says in Romans 3:23, "All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God." Does that all mean me? It means me. Does that all mean you? It means you. It means every person in the world is a sinner, and the only way that God can accept a sinner into heaven is for that sinner to be saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. Then those sins are forgiven, and you're allowed to come into heaven." That's the only way, the only way. But sin is everywhere. And the world diminishes sin today. It it justifies sin. Just this week, we had Olympic hero Michael Phelps. He won eight gold medals. He was on the top of the world just recently in the Beijing Olympics. World records, gold medals, popularity, endorsements. And then we looked, and we saw a picture of him smoking marijuana, and now? They have suspended him for three months by the Swimming Federation. He can't compete for three months. He lost a big endorsement deal from Kellogg's, And we say, what happened? And the answer is sin. They call, he called it a mistake. He said, I made a mistake. Sin is more than just a mistake. Sin is against God. It's doing those things that are against God's holiness and against his word. It's more than a mistake. It's more than just messing up. It's more than an indiscretion or a failure. Here we saw recently a couple of politicians who had a little minor tax problem. They were, up for <laughs> they were up for some cabinet posts, and they found out that these gentlemen had not paid, and there was one lady too, one lady and one gentleman, and I think maybe three altogether, had not paid their taxes, now if it was you or I, They wouldn't be so forgiving as that. They'd say, Dave, we've got a place for you here. You have to spend some time in the cell. But it's amazing. People try to justify sin. They try to sweep it under the carpet. They try to diminish it. But when we come to the Lord, we have to realize we are sinners. God loves us, but he doesn't love our sin. And so he wants us to come to him to be forgiven and to know that peace that only he can give. Someone once said, what is sin? Man calls it an accident. God calls it an abomination. Man calls it a defect. God calls it a disease. Man calls it an error. God calls it an enmity. Man calls it liberty. God calls it lawlessness. Man calls it a trifle. God calls it a tragedy. Man calls it a mistake. God calls it a madness. Man calls it a weakness. God calls it willfulness. And you see, when you put our lives up against God's perfect standard, we all fall short. We're all sinners. And God knew that. Even before Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden and took the forbidden fruit, God already had his plan of salvation ready. It didn't catch him by surprise. God didn't have to say, well, we've got to have this big meeting of all the angels here, and we've got to discuss this, and what we're going to do. They sinned. No, God had his plan of salvation ready. It says in the hymn, it says, oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. And that's why Jesus had to die was because of our sin, because of my sin. When he died on that cross, he took my sin upon himself. He took your sin upon himself, and he died for those sins. You know, many people who don't even know very much about the Bible and don't read it very much do know John 3.16. And I bet from days of Sunday school and learning, many people can quote this verse. And it's such a great verse because it shows how much God loves us individually and personally, It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, I love that verse because when you see the word world in there, you can write your name in it. For God so loved Jeff. For God so loved Sharon. For God so loved Sherry. He loved each one of us so much. And I love the thought that a person had one time that said, if I was the only sinner in this world, Jesus would have made the trip from heaven for one. Because he even told the story of the 99 sheep that the shepherd left behind in the fold to go out and find the one lost sheep. I'm the lost sheep. You're the lost sheep. He left heaven to come down to save us, to bring us back to the Father, to bring us back. To himself. It's a certainty. You can count on that. God's love is certain. God's plan of salvation is sure for us. A man named William S. Plummer, in his book, The Pursuit of Holiness, said, We never see sin aright until we see it against God. All sin is against God in this sense that his law is broken, his authority is despised. His government is set at naught. Pharaoh and Balaam, Saul and Judas, all said the same thing, I have sinned. But it was only the prodigal son that said, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And David who said, against thee and thee only, I have sinned. You know, until you really see how awful sin is, that it's against a holy God, you can't be saved. You have to see sin for what it is. And that that's why Jesus had to die on the cross. is for my sin and for your sin, so that we could be pardoned and forgiven. You know, at the end of every administration, the president gets to offer pardons to certain people. And sometimes people get really angry, and they say, how could the president pardon that scoundrel? In fact, that just happened recently. The president was going to pardon somebody, And the outcry was so bad because this guy was the biggest loser because he was so bad the president canceled it. Your pardon is canceled. But you know what? No matter what you do or what I do, no matter how bad your sin is or how bad my sin is, God will not cancel your pardon. He will pardon you. He will forgive you. He will give you eternal life if you come to him in a sincere way. The scripture says in John three thirty-six, it says, He who believes in the Son has eternal life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God shall be upon him. There's two choices. There's no gray areas. You either have the Son and you have eternal life, or you don't have the Son and the wrath of God abides on you. And they say, oh, Dean, you can't be, you can't say that it's that cut and dry. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what we believe because that's what God says. Because God is so loving, though, he has provided a way of salvation to every person. And he's still waiting for every person to be saved. We have over 6 billion people on the face of this earth. And you say, well, many of them aren't Christians. They're from other religions. There are, many of them are agnostics or atheists and so forth. God is patiently knocking at the door of every heart. And he doesn't knock even that loud. It's just a knock. He's knocking. He's waiting. He says, Dean, you've got to open the door of your heart to me and invite me in. I'm not going to force my way in. That shows how much God loves us. If God wanted to, he could make everybody a Christian. He could just come into your life and say, I'm taking over here. But he doesn't do it. He says, the door handle is on the inside. You have to open it to me. And when you do, I'll come in and I'll change your life. I'll make you a new person in Christ Jesus. That is the choice we have to make. If you look at nature, one of the most beautiful pictures of, a, of salvation is the picture of the caterpillar and the butterfly. Opposite. One is a caterpillar, ugly. He crawls around. You say, this is the caterpillar. But that caterpillar, through the process of metamorphosis, becomes a butterfly. Now, how could anybody do it? They haven't been able to duplicate it in the test tube or in the laboratory. They can't. Only God could take a caterpillar and turn it into a butterfly. Something ugly and turn it into something beautiful. Only God can do that with your life and with my life. He can take the ugliness of our sins, the ugliness of our character, and he can turn it into something beautiful. Like the song says: something beautiful, something good. All my confusion, he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. But he made something beautiful out of my life. And only God can take the empty, broken pieces of my life and fill them with himself, fill them with the Spirit of God, change our lives, and give us a hope so that we can face the uncertainties of life, knowing that he is with us. Just like Ginny sang in that song today, He's going to take us through trials. He's going to take us through difficult times. There are hard times. If you think you become a Christian and everything becomes smooth and easy, I have a sad statement for you this morning to remind you you're going to have trials. We all have trials. We all face them, but the Lord has promised to be with us and take us through until we get to heaven. That's the first certain fact this morning. The certainty of knowing the truth and the truth shall set us free. Secondly, is the certainty of knowing Christ. Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. You know, speaking about a, a metamorphosis, speaking about a change, speaking about a new life that someone had, the Apostle Paul had one of the greatest changes anybody could have. God changed his life in such a powerful way that he went from a religious zealot who was persecuting Christians, locking them up in jail, killing them, to becoming one of the greatest preachers and proponents of Christianity. Only God could make that kind of a change in a person's life. Only God could change him from a Saul of Tarsus to an Apostle Paul. He can change your life the same way. He can change my life the same way. Notice what he says here. For this reason, I suffer the loss of these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. Here was Paul, confident in Christ. He was also the one who said in Philippians 121, for me to live as Christ, and to die is gain. How could you explain Paul's willingness to die, to go to Rome and be willing to die for Jesus Christ if it wasn't real? You look at every one of the early disciples, they were all persecuted and put to death because of their love for the Lord Jesus. They were all despised, but because of their faithfulness, the message is carried down to the present day, and we have it in our hands, the pure truth of God's word, the gospel, the good news that there is a way to be saved and to know the Lord as our Savior. You know, a truly saved person can have peace in the midst of all this chaos and all this confusion. You know, otherwise, I don't know how I'd sleep at night. I mean, you'd have so many things in your mind to worry about, but we can actually commit it to the Lord in prayer and go to sleep at night, put your head on the pillow and sleep because you know that the Lord has it in control. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen according to His will and what He allows in our life, and we can be thankful to that. There's a story told of a man named Mahesh Shavada, who is the pastor of the All Nations Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, and he was on TBN on Tuesday evening, June 17th of last year. And he was being interviewed, and he was ex- they were explaining his upbringing as a Hindu. And he said that he and his mother would go to the shrine and, and he was not at all at peace. He wanted someone to show him the truth, what the truth was. He had a deep hunger for truth. Later that day, a lady knocked at his door who was a missionary, and she asked for a glass of water. So he gave her the, they gave her the glass of water and she gave him a Bible. She placed in his hand the same Bible that we have here. Now, keep in mind, he didn't know anything about the Bible. He was searching for truth. He read the Bible. He came to realize the person of Jesus Christ. He came to accept Jesus Christ as his Savior. And now, he said he didn't need the Hindu God anymore. The Hindu God didn't do anything for him. But Jesus Christ changed his life, gave him hope, gave him peace, forgave him of his sins. And now, he said, I have found the truth. Yes, when we find Jesus Christ as our Savior, we don't want anything else. We don't want anyone else. He is the answer to our need. Not long ago on 60 Minutes, they had a story of a man who, his father was part of Hamas, the terrorist organization. This young man had been arrested and he was taken to prison in Jerusalem, in Israel. And he was in this prison. And during this time in prison, he heard heard some things about Jesus. And he, too, was starting to wonder, what is the truth? Is, Is Islam true or is it not true? I'm disillusioned by it. And so he got released from the prison. And he was in Jerusalem. And a Christian met him. Was it just by chance or accident? No. God placed a Christian upon his path who witnessed to him. He got saved. The Lord transformed his life, and now he's living in San Diego, California, in our state, and he's giving testimony to the fact that the Lord Jesus has changed his life. Now, these are not people that are from a Christian country. These are people, one is a Hindu and another is a Muslim. They got saved. God wants to save every person, like I said, regardless of where you're from, who you are, the same God wants to save you. His love is so amazing. And the scripture says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And for those here this morning that have have come to know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, you know that the Lord changed your life. You didn't change it because you can work as hard as you want to try to change your life. You can make certain outward changes, but to make the real, lasting, eternal changes, only God can do that. Only God can change you from the inside out, and he can turn your world right side up. Only God can do that, and we thank him for what he's done for us. You know, recently we all heard the story of Chelsea Sully Sullenberg, the pilot who landed the plane on the Hudson River. I was so amazed when I heard that story, and I saw it on TV, and I heard all these things about it, but I was even more amazed when this week I heard the audio tapes of the conversation between this pilot and the air traffic controllers. Jim Sisko was an air traffic controller. He, he uh, retired from that job. But what I couldn't get out of my mind was how calm he was. How calm, under pressure. I would be so nervous. I would be so bothered. I would be so worked up. But he had such And and they said, well, okay, you're cleared to go back and land at this airport. No, we're not going to make it. Okay, then the next airport is a few more miles down there. No, we're not going to make that. We're going to have to land in the Hudson. And he said it so calmly. And because he was calm, the crew was calm. And because the crew was calm, the passengers were calm. And because all of that, they landed that plane. He landed that plane perfectly on the water With the nose up so it didn't sink. And every passenger on that plane was saved. It reminded me that Jesus Christ is the pilot. And when you're on his plane, you're going to arrive safely. And you're going to get to heaven. And you're going to be saved if you accept him as your savior. And I thought, what a wonderful reminder of when the Lord Jesus was with his disciples in the boat. And the big storm came and they were afraid and it was going to capsize their boat. And they were going to perish. And they said, Lord, don't you care? We're perishing. They cried out to him. And the Lord said, hush, be still. And he quieted the sea. And he calmed it. And he saved their lives. The Lord Jesus Christ is my pilot. He's my driver. He's the Lord of my life. And when you give control over your life to him, he'll take control. And he'll take you through it. It's not going to be always easy. There's going to be turbulence. There's going to be storms. There's going to be trials. But are you willing to give him the control of your life? And I really believe that that's why more people don't get saved today. It's not because they don't want to go to heaven. It's not because they don't believe in God. It's not because they don't think that that's that's true. But they don't want to give up control of their life to anyone. They don't want to give it up to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he wants to come into your life to make your life better. He wants to give you a good life, an eternal life. Jesus said, I came that they might have life abundantly and more abundantly. And that's what he wants to give you. He wants to give you an abundant life. The devil wants to say to you, don't accept that. Don't believe in Jesus. He's going to take away your fun. He's going to take away this. He's going to take away that. He's going to make you sad. You're going to have to just do this and do that and go to church all the time and read the Bible all the time. Yes, but he's going to give you more than that. He's going to give you an abundant life, a good life. He's going to take away the bad, the sin, and give you joy, give you peace so that you can face whatever comes in life. Haven't you driven the car long enough? Haven't you tried to drive your own life long enough and all all you've done is crashed? All I did was crash before I accepted Jesus as my Savior. I drove long enough, so I got out of the car and I say, Lord, you take over. The problem we have in life is when we want to drive it. So many people, you've heard that expression, I'm the captain of my ship. No, you don't want to be the captain of your own ship unless you want to go down with the ship. Then, fine, be the captain of your own ship. But when the Lord is the captain of your ship, you won't go down. You'll be with him forever. Two certain facts. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And you shall know Jesus Christ, and you can say with Paul, I know whom I have believed. I know it. And am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. That's a certain fact. That's why Paul was willing to be be killed and beheaded for the Lord is because of his commitment of faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the third certain fact is once we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have eternal life. We don't just think we have it, we just don't hope we have it, but we believe it and we read it in God's word, we can know for certain that we have eternal life. If you just turn briefly over to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 11. First John chapter 5 and verses 11 through 13. Here the Apostle Paul, another writer in the New Testament, is telling us of the confidence, of the certainty of our faith in the Lord Jesus. He said, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know, there's that word know again, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. That little word know. K-N-O-W. You can know it. You can know it with confidence. Do you know for sure that you're going to heaven? If you accept Jesus Christ, you can say, yes, I know it. Because you're good? No, because Jesus is good. Because he died for me, he gave his life, therefore, he will take me to heaven. You know, I like to watch these commercials on TV sometimes. They're really funny. They're really good. We're in good hands with Allstate. I love that one. You know, the hands out there, you're in good hands. But guess what? Allstate's not going to help you when it comes to eternal matters. It's not going to help you. How about New York Life? Have peace of mind with New York Life. It's so good. But you know, New York Life could be out of business tomorrow, right? And then what's going to happen to you? All state may give up the ghost. They may not be around anymore. Only the Lord and His Word is solid and consistent. It's always going to be there. And then one of my favorites is Prudential. Get a piece of the rock. But, beloved folks, I don't want a piece of the rock. I want the whole rock. And Jesus Christ is the whole rock. He said to Peter, he said, Upon this rock, which is Christ, you you shall build this church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus Christ is the rock. And we sometimes sing that song on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. So I ask you, would you want to be in good hands with Allstate? Would you want to have a, a peace of mind with New York life? Would you have a piece of the rock? No. I want Jesus Christ as my savior, because that is the only sure thing that is not going to change. That is salvation. I was reading a story told by Dr. Ironside. Harry Ironside was illustrating salvation by the fact that Noah went to his neighbor who was a pagan, and invited him to trust in God's word and come into the ark. That is the way of salvation. In those days, that was the only way to be saved from the flood, is to come into the ark. And the ark was originally intended to be big enough for every human being that was living at that time to go in. If they chose to go, they could have fit. They really could have. God made it big enough. And that's why his invitation of salvation is big enough. It goes out to the whole world. You say, how big is heaven? Big enough to hold every human being who has ever lived or will ever live. It's big enough. Now, there's not going to be everybody saved. Not everybody will make it. Not everybody will accept Christ. But it's big enough that everybody could. That's how much God loves you and me. He makes it big enough. Lorraine liked, when we used to sing that song on Wednesday nights years ago, there's room at the cross for you. Though millions may come, there's still room for one. There's room at the cross for you. So there's room for you. There's room for me. And yet he tells of a story of the opposite happening. Can you imagine if the way to get saved was to hang a peg on the outside of the ark? And let's say Noah told him, okay, you want to be saved? We're going to hang a peg here and just hold on as tight as you can and see if you can make it. That's what people are trying to do today by trying to get saved by their own works and by their efforts. They're trying to hold on to the peg. And they're not going to be able to do it. Our salvation does not depend on us holding on to God, but God holding on to us. And when we accept him and we hold on to him, he's not going to let go. We might let go. He won't let go of our hand. He's going to take us through. And I have a wonderful acronym for the word know. K-N-O-W. Because I know you like acronyms like I do. <laughs> this is a good one. Keep, no outstanding worries isn't that good for no keep no outstanding worries so that means we have to take all our worries and commit them to the Lord don't keep them give them over to him and he will see us through you know life on earth is just a dress rehearsal for eternity we're either gonna be saved and go to be with him in heaven or we're gonna be lost and go to hell that's what the Bible says but God does not want anyone to be lost. He wants everyone to be saved. It's amazing, though, life is so short, and yet people live as if they're going to live forever, don't they? Not caring about eternity, not caring about heaven, not caring about what's going to happen to them when they die. But we have to be ready. One of my co-workers this week went to get a passport at the post office, and she was saying that the time that takes now to get a passport is a lot less than it used to be a, long, a while back. The question is, is your passport ready for heaven? Has it been stamped? Has it been approved to go to heaven? If we neglect that passport, then any other passport is not going to work. A poet once said, one short life for watching for the master, eternal years to walk with him in white, one short life to bravely meet disaster, eternal years to reign with him in light. One brief life for weary toils and trials; eternal years for calm and peaceful rest. One brief life for patient self-denial; eternal years for life where life is best. As good as this life is at some times, it's nothing compared to how great heaven's going to be. And as bad as this world is, it's nothing compared to as bad as hell is going to be. So that's why the choice is ours today. The choice is yours today. You can accept Jesus as your Savior to come into your life and save you. You can say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm guilty. What you were saying is true. I know it. I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven. I want to go to heaven. And God will, by his faithful promise, save you and give you eternal life. And you can be sure of it just as if you're hearing these words this morning. Yes, we can say in conclusion, That in the midst of all this uncertainty in the world, isn't it good to know God's certainty that will never change? That salvation is through Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross. God loves each and every one of you. He wants you to come, but you have to open the door. The door is on the inside, as I said. And as we open the door and ask him in, he will come into our lives, give us eternal life, love us, and take care of us. He'll give us a life worth living. And when we do that, it will be a blessing. As we go to the Lord in prayer this morning, if you're here today and you haven't accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, don't leave through those doors until you ask Christ into your life. You can talk to Adel, you could talk to me, you can talk to anyone here who knows the Lord, and you can accept him today. Because like I said, life is uncertain. We do not know what's going to happen to us. How many times do you sign on the computer or watch on TV and you hear about a young person or an older person that died? Here they were just here yesterday, and they died. Time is short. We have to receive him now. We have to believe in him now. We have to accept him now. Shall we just bow our heads and close in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you today that in the midst of all this uncertainty and all these difficult times we're living in, We thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior. And we thank you for the plan of the ages, the plan of salvation that would include us, Lord. And we thank you that you died, Lord Jesus, on the cross. And so that we can have forgiveness of our sins and have eternal life. Lord, don't let anyone leave here today without having you in their heart. We pray, Lord, that you will continue to speak through this message, continue to speak to people's hearts, soften their hearts, Lord, and help us to show the love of God to all those around us. We ask-